Welcome to Disruptive CEO Nation, where company founders, entrepreneurs, and cutting-edge thinkers drop in from around the globe to share startup stories, insider insights, and hard-earned success lessons. Now, here's your host, a woman who mastered business by placing heels on the ground all over the world, having worked with and coached CEOs and senior leaders from over 90 countries, and who wants you to build your best business future, Allison K. Summers. Welcome to this episode of Disruptive CEO Nation. We have a fantastic guest who's going to come to us all the way from Portland, Oregon, but she is running a global enterprise and has a wonderful story. You know, I always talk about you need to be covering both the digital side and the human side in your business, and she is going to talk about the human side of your business in spades, both about your team and your customer relationships. So I would love to introduce you to Natalie Ruiz, who is the CEO of Answer Connect. Natalie, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me, Allison. So I have this right, Portland, Oregon, correct? Yes, that is right. Is that home for uh, forever? Or did you? Is that your original base? It's been pretty much my original base. I've, I've moved around in kind of the metro area, but I've been an Oregonian for most of my life. Well, hey, tell our listeners what the great what great services Answer Connect delivers to its clients. Answer Connect is really making that human connection possible. We're living in an age when I know I want self-service whenever possible, right? I go to the internet, I look online, I try to solve my problems, but as soon as I can't, what do you want to do? You want to pick up the phone and you want somebody to help you right away. And that's where Answer Connect comes in. We're a 24-7, 365 solution with live humans who are going to have great information in front of them and they can answer the phone on behalf of our customers, sounding like they're part of that office, helping with customer service, appointment scheduling, intake, just being an extension. Most of our clients are small or medium-sized businesses and we help them multiply so they never miss an opportunity. Well, we're going to get into you a little bit about your your business. Mm-hmm. Natalie, the reason that I wanted to have you on as a guest and what fascinates me about you and, and, and your career is, you know, you're just a wonderful woman in business. And we're airing this episode at the right in front of International Women's Day. Um, and I think you have so much to offer our listeners in terms of your personal journey to get to be a CEO and your leadership values with your teams. You have, uh, if I have this correct, over 1,500 global employees. That's a lot of people to be leading and thinking about and growing and mentoring. So give our listeners just a little bit of the background from your own personal journey to get to be CEO. Sure. Well, it, it's it been a journey of almost 20 years. So I'll put that out there. I actually started with the company as a temporary employee. I was changing careers and the idea that I could um, sit down at a desk, work during the day, have flexible scheduling and read a script on the computer and do customer service sounded like a dream from what I'd been doing. So I joined through a temp agency. This is an entry-level position. This is a contact center position doing the phone answering that I was talking about. My journey now has been 20 years where I got to really grow with the company. I got to be part of making an impact, seeing how we could leverage technology and our mission to help more and more customers. And it was 2015, after wearing a lot of different hats, that I was promoted to CEO. And that's been 
a great adventure, a huge privilege, and a big catalyst for learning for me. Well, Natalie, this is why I, I think we're going to be kindred souls because I built a career out of a temporary job. And that was never <laughs> the intention. I filled in for somebody's maternity leave. And it it just became this business career that I would have never had. But there's, I think it's open-mindedness, right? There's so many paths to success. You know, when I people want advice and I would say, you know, there's there's this one prototype, this one archetype, but there's so many. And I think it really comes more down to grit and resilience and curiosity and learning than any prescribed path that we try to follow. Well, Natalie, if people know my story. I always say my path was that I, I watched the men bring their golf clubs to the office and um, their offices with windows. And I basically wasn't offended. I just took the position that they know something I don't know something that I I didn't get in school and whatever it is that they know, I need to know. And I think that kind of curiosity has, has really helped me in life. Yeah. I would agree with that. I think that there is an unwritten code, a club that maybe a lot of us weren't invited into. And <laughs> I've always been highly curious about that. I would say when I found this company, the reason I stayed from being a temp and, and continued growing, because it wasn't exactly a dream as soon as I entered. I mean, the company was really, really new, very much a startup. I think we had 30 employees at that point. I was trying to figure things out and I was young. So I kind of had this impression as well that the big bosses must know what they were doing. And what I learned very early on is that the big bosses were actually really open to feedback. And they themselves were pretty curious and modeled this growth mindset. I'd never encountered that before. I've definitely worked in the places with the golf clubs and the, you know, I had a job once when I definitely wasn't part of the club and I thought maybe I could fit in being a very young woman. If I just wore like more tweed, if I just, maybe I should learn how to golf and I wasted money on a lot of ridiculous, unflattering clothing. Golf wasn't really my thing. And, and they didn't like me anymore. They weren't any kinder to me. But at oh. Answer Connect, I found something different. I found a place where there was this continual conversation about how we might do something better. And everybody was invited into that conversation for me from the very beginning. And that has really been the reason that I stayed. Well, hey, I, I am so grateful the world of business has changed and it has advanced so much um, to where it was in the future. I think you hit on a good thing there. And part of the reason we do this podcast is because company founders and business leaders, they don't have all the answers. And so we like to share these stories so that they can hear not only be inspired by what people have achieved, but also to learn from um, the mistakes or what they're doing. And mm -hmm. one of the things that I think you do rarely well um, and that you talk about if people follow you in social media is this concept of, of pouring into people. And I know that you have this phrase that you want to leave people and places better than you find them. So give us a little philosophy about nurturing your employees and growing yeah. your team members? So I will say for one, that if you knew me as a leader 20 years ago, I wasn't here. So apologies to all the folks where I was very much a manager, a top-down directive kind of manager. I was following an archetype that wasn't a good model, right? Um, over time, what I learned is that 
fundamentally, all of us get out of bed in the morning and we want to earn for our family or for our goals or to give our pets a better life. Nobody gets up and says, you know, I want to make my boss's job really difficult. or I want to do a mediocre job today. That's not, people want to be seen, heard, understood, and feel like they're making an impact. And I had to become okay with being vulnerable, being more of a human and connecting with people on that level. And that changed everything for me as a leader. I remember reading some leadership newsletter because I thought I was going to solve all my problems by just subscribing to all of these. And it, apparently it did stick because I still remember there was a question that was posed. What would you do differently as a manager if the team that you have right now was the team that you were going to have forever? No additions, mm. no subtractions. Interesting question. Right. And for me, the timing couldn't have been more impactful because we were in a place where there was some churn happening in the company. And it was just kind of like, well, maybe they're not the right fit. Find the next person. When I thought about that question, I thought, well, I would pour into this person. I would try to level with them. I try to understand what is their motivation? Why isn't it working? What's happening? What do they need? And it changed things for me. And I started to see it's actually really not that fun to keep recruiting and churning and training new people or to have people who are disengaged. It's really fun to see success in somebody else and know that you played a small part in that. No, great, great philosophy. I, I think, you know, we talk about um, equity at work and in mm -hmm. inclusion. So it's not only about growing people you, you mentioned, which we say all the time, you know, people need to feel value, respected, seen and, and heard. Mm -hmm. Anything, any thoughts on what we as leaders can do to help with the equity and inclusion topic yeah. in our workplace? Yeah. Well, you mentioned there's this set of rules or there's this club that I wasn't invited to, right? And that exists for most of us. There's this reality that we all bring a different mixture into a room when we walk in, all of our intersecting identities. And as leaders, I think it's our responsibility. When you know better, you do better. And we know better now. So I think it's it's challenging yourself to learn, to be exposed to different narratives, different inputs, to be curious, to check your ego at the door, because some of this is uncomfortable, and to be intentional. If we want to create a space where everybody can come as they are, or I should say maybe more as they are than they would in a traditional office and then just do their best work. That's advantageous for the business. So I think that DE and I work sometimes gets um, a bad rap. It's just like a checkbox for some organizations, but fundamentally, if you're building something, if you're doing something, you have to be representative of your market. You have to be representative of the world and we're all better when the teams who are imagining products, imagining services, coming up with a marketing plan, writing content, selling something, when they also represent and mirror the greater world. And so I also know from personal experience, you know, buying all of that tweed, trying to learn how to golf, <laughs> it's a waste of time. It's a waste of energy. There's so much that you're putting on top of your shoulders to try to just fit in that you're not doing your best work because you're trying to mesh. And I think our best work comes when we can just be ourselves and then we can bring what we know, whether that's lived experience, work history, education, the whole gamut of what makes us uniquely us. That's how you really win. No, absolutely. I'm just, I'm, I'm laughing because the golf thing, 
I, I got to be a very good putter, never, never <laughs> was good uh, at the long drive. But yeah, I spent many years trying to be uh, something I wasn't. And then, as you said, following bad archetypes. And that is something that when founders today, and it doesn't matter what age you found your your company or, or where you at, are at, but you need to make sure that you are embracing, taking the good from business and embracing what works for you and the values that you want in your company for sure. Hey, I want to talk about accelerated growth because whether you were sitting in the CEO seat at Answer Connect or not, as you described, you were a part of witnessing the entire period of accelerated growth and having 1500 global employees is no small task to to manage. Mm-hmm. Anything that you saw in that growth that um, was a struggle or that you think uh, Answer Connect did very well? Well, I think yes and yes. <laughs> There's things on both sides. So when you're growing fat, on one hand, accelerated growth is the dream, right? We all want this hockey stick growth and we want that to be the graph. When you think about the people and the processes, it puts a strain on all of that. And we are expanded around the globe. We're operating 24 seven, 365. So I think we did a really good job of rising to the needs. We've done an amazing job for our customers. We've operated at this high level. They know they can count on us and we've grown and we've grown our leaders and we've given them stretch assignments to get there. The things that have been really challenging is when you do grow that fast and you're onboarding people and creating new teams and shipping new products and doing these things, you you have to have a container. And I think that container relies a lot on company culture. It's like, mm-hmm. how do we do things here? Right? How do we do things here? And when you're working at breakneck speed, if you're not really, really intentional at that, you can lose sight and you've got new folks or you've got pressing deadlines and I think if that culture isn't strong, you can lose it. And it's really hard to get back. And so, you know, at our busiest, at our most explosive period of growth, um, I think that that was tough. I, I think we got there by kind of knowing it was important, recognizing it, talking about it. And that's a, it's the hardest and easiest thing is to be really honest about what's working and what's not working. Go ahead and finish that thought. I was going to say, if you can be honest and if you can create enough safety amongst the people you work with so they can say, hey, I don't think this is working, then you have a chance to solve it. I think the worst thing happens when people kind of know or they kind of feel and they don't speak up and then it gets too far down the road and you can't reel it back. No, I, that is, I, I really appreciate how you very simply define company culture as um, how we do the things here. I, I think we don't need to overcomplicate things. And and as we said, when we talk about being an expert in humans, humans don't follow overcomplicated thoughts. And most people laugh. Let's all be honest. Most people laugh at company like value statements that try to put their values in a one through four and stick them on a, a wall because it, it's how you do things here. It does it, it, you know, we can have those guiding principles, but so many companies that we've worked for, we experience, even as customers, don't really live to the mottos. 
I think, of course, as a CEO, I would love if company culture was exactly what I said it was, right? That'd be great. But what I've learned is company culture is really how the person, when they're away from work and their family or their friend asks them, so what is it like to work there? Or how is it going? And it's those conversations that I'll actually never be part of that I think really speak to what our company culture is all about. Absolutely. Hey, I want to switch. You have been recognized in lots of different ways. Congratulations. I I know in some of your accolades, it's uh, female executive of the year, um, uh, women of influence awards. There is a pressure still today on being a leading woman in, in business and then being an example to other women but yet I, I know we, we were talking before we started this episode, you know, we're moms, so we're balancing family life, we're balancing work life. Do you find that there is a pressure uh, on women leaders that's different? It's a two-part question, Natalie. And or what kind of mentoring advice do you find giving to other women professionals is most commonly what comes out of Mm. your mouth? Mm. So I love the question. I would first say, I have never actually been a male leader, so I can't exactly (laughs) speak to the differences, but I can speak to what I infer. I do think that I have felt that you have to do it, do it all and smile while you're at it, right? It's this pressure of, you know, you want to be a great parent, you want to be a great partner and you want to be a great executive and you want to do these things and it should look, you know, effortless. And I think that's a lot of pressure that is not made up. I think it's internalized because that swirls around us. And I don't know that it's the same for most men in business. I I just don't. And I think that there's stats that back this up women still take on most of the household and caretaking duties. If a kid is sick, like who leaves work to go and take care? I think statistically, we still know that that falls disproportionately on women. We saw through pandemic times, the disproportionate changes that were happening to compensation, women in the workforce, a lot of these things. So it is real. I do think there's still a disparity. I think the more we talk about it, the better. Awareness is a good first step. Um, When it comes to mentoring, it's really interesting because I do a fair amount of mentoring and it's predominantly with women. And gosh, there, there are some threads. So the first thing I would say is so much of the mentoring, I've grown as a mentor as well, is knowing that the woman who's on the other side of the table or the other side of the screen might already know the answer. A lot Mm -hmm. of times as a mentor or a coach, you're just listening. You're just creating space for them to work out their own question, their own situation. And that's been a big learning because I do think that as women, a lot of times we're navigating these things alone, whether we are, you know, there aren't folks who look like us or or live like us in our immediate jobs, we're internalizing these things. And while we might know what the right answer is or what the next step is, we don't have anybody to say it out loud to. We don't feel safe to do that. And so I think a lot of the mentoring is this. Um, A lot of the rest of it is on communication, how to effectively communicate up, how to effectively communicate to direct reports, how to really like achieve what you're trying to achieve. I, I say all the time, you know, like let's stick to the facts and being effective as a communicator 
understanding who you're communicating to. If you're communicating to an operations person, there's some key things that are going to make a move there. If you're communicating to a person who's really motivated by sales numbers or acquisitions, there's a few key things there. And understanding how to navigate that ends up being a lot of what I help folks with. And I think I've I've gained that experience just over time and over doing it myself. And I think in hindsight, if I would have had somebody with that expertise when I was in mm-hmm. the early years of my career, it could have saved me a lot of missteps. Yeah. You know, Natalie, as, as a CEO or as a, a leader, so mm-hmm. for our audience listening to this conversation, mm-hmm. one of the best things you can do to help yourself as a leader is teach your teams how to communicate to you, how to bring information yes. to you, how to construct emails to you. We waste so much time. I, I love that you've pinpointed communication as, as one of your, your top pieces, because especially when we're, we're scaling, I don't need a whole background story from a direct report or a team member mm-hmm. to make a decision. I just need the right information. And I also need the person coming to me to bring me two solutions or two positive things to help ease my thinking. Now I might come up with a third thing that they didn't think of, but I can get to that third thing faster if they bring two ideas to me. Like we have this problem, you know, here you, here you go. And, and I think this is such a critical part. One of the things that drives me crazy about being a CEO and Natalie, I don't know if you think about the same thing, it's decision fatigue. If I Mm. don't manage um, how many times have we said I'm at my my decision limit for for today or come back in 30 minutes? Um, so I think these are all really great things and they're not things that people directly teach you as you're you're coming up the line unless you've had a great leader take you by the hand and and show you these pieces. So um, yeah, very much agree to that. I always tell people, I want, I want to say yes, just make it easy for me. You know, I want to work backwards from a yes. And it's funny, you mentioned teaching people how to communicate. I really, I won't go into it, but I have a specific format and anybody who works with me would probably hopefully lovingly roll their eyes because they know they're going to try to talk and like, where's the one pager on this? Yeah. And then I can look at it and then I can think about it and then I can weigh in. I want to say yes. I want to support you, but you have to make it easy. And there's specific things that I'm going to be looking for in order for that. Yeah. Well, my favorite lately is, is you asked me to make a decision and you're not giving me the right data that I need to feel comfortable with the decision. So it's like, go back and do it again. Mm-hmm. Go back, go back, you know, tell me more. Cause I want, like you said, I want to say yes. Yeah. And I think coaching people through that, I mean, that's a life skill. That's my, my eight-year-old daughter wrote me a one pager uh, for something that she wanted. And I was like, oh, well, on one hand, I'm in trouble, but on the second hand, great. I can see the reasoning. (laughs) Oh, my teenagers do PowerPoints. Right. And they're impressive PowerPoints. Like they um, will do the whole thing. Like they know where they want me to take them for dinner. So Mm -hmm. they'll, they'll price compare two other places where they're not asking to go to show the the benefit or how easy it is that I should say yes to what they're asking. Yeah, it's Look amazing. This impact, yeah. <laughs> it's it's amazing. I want to shift and 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 talk about we we said, you know, you're such a a delightful person. 
with your expertise and and these human relationships and and how you've come up in your career. But I want to flip because we can't talk about what you do at Answer Connect without also talking about technology and chatbots and and how mm-hmm. automation mm-hmm. has changed the world. And I think we all support that automation. But as you came out at the beginning and said, there's a point where it no longer serves you as a, a company. So can you just tell us a little bit more about like your clients and and the types of technology that they're mm-hmm. embracing and when they, you know, say, oh yeah, I need a human being to talk yeah. to for my business. Yeah. Um, so everybody's talking about AI. The bots are everywhere and it's insidious in some ways, because again, you want the shortest distance between I have a problem and my problem is solved. And that is still a human. Um, I think there's there's a famous quote I've seen further by standing on the shoulders of giants and the shoulders of giants are the tech, the, the new products that are coming to market, the new capabilities. I mean, could we have even imagined connecting in this way 15 years ago? It's wild. Um, but at the end of the day, I believe there will always be a place for a real human connection, um, somebody to help, somebody to understand, somebody to provide that high touch. Um, AI isn't great with nuance. Um, AI isn't um, great at thinking outside of the data set that it's been fed. Um, and I don't know that I want to live in a world where it is, you know, we'll just Mm -hmm. leave that. Um, But we continue to watch trends in tech and we continue to partner with our clientele on how they can integrate with the technology that they're already using or that they might want to use. And again, they tag us in when they want that help. We offer chat with a live person. We have uh, a lot of solutions that are very, very easy to use, appointment booking links that they can push out. But when the person gets stuck or they have a question or they aren't sure if they should do Tuesday or Wednesday, when they call the number, we answer. What um, would you say are some of the challenges or the way you approach? I mean, it's a large workforce that you have. And so you obviously have turnover. Mm -hmm. Um, How do you help train that many people when you're constantly onboarding new people? So I'm, and I'm using grateful. constantly, not as, yeah. in, not as in, oh no, wait, answer connect is a lot of turnover. I'm sure. using it based on the odds of 1500 people. Yeah. Well, and I was going to say for the nature of our business, I'm so grateful that we have the amazing retention numbers that we do. And I think that comes from a lot of great things that we do. Um, we are a fully remote employer. I don't know if you knew that, or if I mentioned that, so we're adding you know, a little bit extra into this. Luckily for us, we've been doing that since about 2007. So we had a head start before mm-hmm. the whole world jumped into the deep end. Um, we have a really great learning and development team who handles our training and we've created our curriculum. We connect like this on video. We also have um, an online university called Adaptive You that we can build out for the different skill sets, the different um, jobs that we're training for. And beyond the two weeks or so of focused training with a learning and development coordinator, we we then partner people up. They've got their team leader. They've got senior leads. We've got all these layers so that people don't feel alone. They might work from home. That doesn't mean that they need to be isolated. And all of our full-time employees get paid learning time every single week as well. So it breaks down to be about 30 minutes per day 
where they go into this online university and not only can brush up on the skills that might pertain to their job, but they can watch a TED talk or they could listen to this podcast or they could learn a whole new skill. And that helps with retention. Um, I get that feedback a lot. People feel like we are investing in them. It's not just you have to go to this conference or you have to go to this training. It's We've had folks who were a call center associate who learned design or who learned human resource law, who sparked an interest and then they were able to get into a paid internship to explore that job and then eventually take it on. And I think, again, kind of to circle to the beginning of this conversation, when mm-hmm. you pour into people, you see better results. If you were going to have this team forever, how would you treat them? Hey, Natalie, thank you so much for taking your time to be our guest. If people want to learn more, find out more, where should they go and what should they do? Well, if you want to learn more and find more out about Answer Connect, you should go to answerconnect.com and there's a ton of great information and you can register for even more. If you want to connect with me, if you've got a question or if you want a template for that one pager that I love, um, <laughs> connect with me on LinkedIn. It's Natalie S. Ruiz um, and you should be able to find me. Natalie, again, it's it's been a delight. I have my notes with a couple of great pieces of wisdom. Uh, again, I still think this you know, company culture. And I love how you took it one step further. It's what your employees are saying when they're away from work. And I think that is a nice gem for us to, to think about as we move forward. Hey, to our listeners, if there is a disruptive CEO company founder that you think I should speak to, send me a note at connect at Until then, keep your eye on the future and always be disruptive. Natalie, have a great day. Thank you so much, Allison. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.